right, Joker, for you in the audience, I got a question. What's up? If you became a vigilante and you had to pick your your number one enemy, you gonna pick a psychiatric patient or are you gonna pick a zoo animal? I'd probably honestly go with a zoo animal. I, I feel bad. Or I would feel bad about beating up a psych ward patient. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little torn because when I was uh, emergency room security, I feel like I'd, I feel like it'd be fairly therapeutic to have the psych ward patient because I'd just be like, this is for all the late nights I got stuck in, stuck at work. So that, that would make sense for you. Also, I just feel like the zoo animal could possibly be far more terrifying and destructive. I mean, I'd be cool with that, though. I mean, fair. Okay, uh, folks. So, welcome to this week's episode of Are You a Fan? Presented by Moonbound Productions. If you like us, give us a like, share us, heck, maybe even follow us. So, this week, this brings us into this week's character. Batman, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne. That's right, we're dealing with one of the classics today, folks. Yeah, one of the ones that you don't even have to read comics, watch the movies. Like, you know Batman. He's been around so long, he is. He is, like, the pinnacle of household names in comics. I mean, he's considered, like, one of the Holy Trinity in DC Comics. He is one of the Holy Trinity. Yeah, so. Okay, well, let's get into it. We're going to start out with real world. Creation. In early 1939, the success of Superman in action comics prompted editors uh, at National Comics Publication, the future DC Comics, to request more superheroes for its titles. Okay, well, I mean, uh, Superman did do really well, so yeah, that would would make sense to prompt them being like, hey, what else you got? I mean, especially at that time, like, they're trying to get, you know, people's hopes up and moods going. Cause that was not a good time in American history. No, cause uh, <laughs> you know, everybody was fairly depressed. Yeah. <laughs> so collaborator Bill Finger recalled that Kane had an idea for a character called Batman, and he'd like he'd like me to see the drawings. I went over to Kane's and he drew a character who looked very much like Superman. With kind of reddish tights, I believe. Uh, with boots, no gloves, no gauntlets. With a small domino mask swinging on a rope. He had two stiff wings that were sticking out looking like bat wings. And under it was a big sign, Batman. The bat wing-like cape was suggested by Bob Kane, inspired as a child by Leonardo da Vinci's sketch of an ornithopter flying device. Okay, so... um I, I guess it's kind of cool to know that at one point he literally did dress like a bat. <laughs> kind of. I, I, I don't know where the checkered mask comes in with that. It was probably the domino mask. Or the domino mask. Like, that just that feels like the most random part of it. Well, the domino mask is like the idea of, like, uh, Robin. Like, the small face oh, mask. Oh, the small... I don't know why I was thinking of like a mask with actual like domino board, no. like like a no. checkered board mask. No, I was just like the style of mask. Oh, okay, because I was just like I was like, where did you get that idea? Like, wait, why did you think that looked good? Okay, that actually makes a lot more sense now. Okay, so uh, Finger would uh, suggest giving the character a cowl instead of a simple domino mask. A cape instead of wings and gloves. He also recommended removing the red section from the original costume. I mean, I I, I kind of agree. It kind of feels like, uh, hey, copy my homework, just do it a little different. I don't know. I think though, a red and black Batman would look pretty pretty awesome. So if they did it right, I kind of wish they stuck to the red. I mean, I feel like they kind of did it right with uh, Bruce Wayne's dad in the... Yeah, in the Flashpoint. In the Flashpoint, like that, yeah. And, but it didn't have as much red. I feel like having the gray be red, so it was much more red in the costume. Okay, yeah. Being could... similar, yes, to Superman still, but being just black and red is a really good color combo. Fair, and I won't disagree with that. It is an amazing color combo. So, Bruce's Wayne first name would actually come from Robert the Bruce, a Scottish patriot. Which is kind of cool that they used the name from 
a big historical figure for a comic character's name. I was gonna say I looked it up a little bit. That guy was a yeah, that guy was a BA man. Oh yeah. Like dang. Okay, so uh Wayne being a playboy was a man of uh gentry. I don't know what that old termy word is. I imagine uh Rich. I searched for a name that would suggest colonialism. I tried Adams, Hancock, then I thought of uh, Mad Anthony Wayne. Am I reading that mm-hmm. name right? Mad yeah. Anthony Wayne? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Finger later said his suggestions were influenced by Lee, F- uh, Lee Fox popular The Phantom, a syndicated newspaper comic strip character with, uh, which, with which Kane was also familiar. Anthony Wayne's descendant, Blake R. Van Leer, also became an orphan. Huh. Also, the Phantom. Oh my God, I remember the Phantom. Right, and definitely seeing the Phantom and Batman, definitely you can see some of the similarities. Oh, hugely. That. And as we go over, Batman has had a lot of inspirations, and from a lot of different <laughs> different areas too. Oh it's yeah. Like, like, okay. So Kane and Finger drew upon contemporary 1930s popular culture for inspiration. Uh, regarding much of the Batman's look, personality, methods, and weaponry. Uh, details would find predecessors in uh, Pulp Fiction comic strips, newspapers, headlines, and bi- autobiographical details referring to Kane himself. Autobiographical. That works. As an aristocratic hero with double identity, Batman had predecessors in the Scarlet Pimpernel, Created by Bar- Baroness Amaska or- Orczy in 1903. And Zorro, created by Johnston McCalley in 1919. The Zorro one I did know about, and that because that's actually a kind of a huge little kind of detail mm. in that, that that was the movie they were seeing. Yep. But so. it also makes sense, too, because that's where the domino mask would come from. Yeah. So that's kind of mask Zorro would wear. Shit, and yeah. and then the cape, like, there are so many different ones. As we get some more in the next section, like he was, he was inspired. They used so many different things to inspire him. He's the Frankenstein of heroes. He really was. <laughs> um, so like them, Batman would perform his hero- heroic deeds in secret, averted suspicion by playing aloof in public, and marked his work with a signature symbol. Kane would note that the influence of the films, The Mark of Zero. Zorro in 1920 and the Bat Whispers in 1930 in the creation of characters' iconography. Finger drawing inspiration from pulp heroes like Doc Savage, The Shadow, Dick Tracy, and Sherlock Holmes made the character into a master sleuth. I remember The Shadow. Yep. And it also, uh, like with Sherlock Holmes, like Zorro makes a whole lot of sense because he got that detective in him. Yep. And uh, he, like anybody who's read or even watched the 1990s Batman, and that very heavily influenced in that by uh, Sherlock Holmes in the sense of, like, he uses that deductive re- yep. t- detective reasoning. It kind of makes me wonder if uh, the Dick Tracy 2 was also an inspiration for Dick Grayson. Ooh, I could see that. Just off the name. I could see <laughs> that. Just all, yeah, no. Easily. All right, so in, 19, uh, in his 1989 autobiography, Kane detailed Finger's contributions to Batman's creation. One day I called Bill and said, I have a new character called the Bat-Man. And I've made some crude elementary sketches. I'd like you to look at them. I'd like you to look at them. He came over and I showed him the drawings. At the time, I only had a small domino mask, like the one Robin later wore on Batman's face. Bill said, why, why not make him look more like a bat and put a hood on? on him and take the eye eyeballs out and just put slits for her eyes to make him look more mysterious. At this point, the bat dash man wore a red uh, union suit. Uh, the wings, trunks and mask were black. Okay. That's kind of an interesting look. Yeah. I couldn't find any images of that original. Cause it was, probably none that ever made it out true knowing that those were just the early sketches 
But I do like the the phrasing. Just take the eyeballs out, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like that doesn't sound uh, morbid at all. Just <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, Finger would continue to say, "I thought that the red and black would be a good combination." Bill said that the costume was too bright, color it dark gray to make it look more ominous. The cape looked like two stiff bat wings attached to his arms. As Bill and I talked, we realized that these wings would be would get cumbersome for the Batman, or when he was in action, and change them into a cape. Scallop to look like bat wings when he was fighting or swinging down a, on a rope. Also, he didn't have any gloves on, and we added them so he wouldn't leave fingerprints. Smart. Which, yeah, that, that makes total sense, because if you have a secret identity, yeah, kinda. you don't want to have the risk of leaving a fingerprint behind. <laughs> it's kind of that whole, like, <laughs> the robber left a thumbprint on the door handle upon leaving as we're just here with our cheetos like idiot right like but yeah no no, no. And that's how they find the batman they thought it was a robber <laughs> <laughs> all right so where okay okay so now let's get into the golden age concepts and like his origins in real world here okay so uh kane signed away ownership of the character in exchange for, among other compensations, a a mandatory byline on all Batman comics. This byline did not originally say Batman created by Bob Kane. His name was simply written on the title page for each story. (laughs) I don't know why that cracks me up. I I don't either. (laughs) I feel like because, like, he wanted that, but he didn't specify they had to put in the credit thing they just purposely didn't do it and he even saw it. he's like like calls them up like hey hey like w- what's this like why doesn't it say it's great it's like you did not specify that in the legal documents and that we are not well but at the time there may not have necessarily been a byline per se true so it may have been that's why they just put his name on the title page is there's nowhere at the time because i don't know what the comics looked like at the time so there may not have had what we have nowadays where we have the byline or that created is, by. That is a valid point. So that's probably what happened, to be honest. Okay, that's a valid point. So to add to that, the name would disappear from the comic book in the, in the mid-1960s, replaced by credits for each story's actual writer and artist. In the late 1970s, when Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster began receiving accredited by uh, credit on Superman titles, along with William Moulton Marston being given the byline for creating Wonder Woman, Batman stories began giving saying credited uh, created by Bob Kane in addition to other credits. Uh, okay. So they eventually just got rid of his name altogether, said no. And when they're like, oh, these other guys are doing that with theirs, eh, we'll do that too. I also feel like that was a smart move on their part because I feel like if... He or anybody in his family saw that, they'd just be like, so what's going on, DC, DC or Action I'm, Comics? I'm wondering if that's kind of what happened, because like, you went ten year, five-ish years, ten years, with your name not on there anywhere. Which I feel like yeah, was I'm pro- sure there's probably a lot that went on. Probably a lot of issues there, but I feel like the second they started like bringing Wonder Woman's creator, like the original creators of the others, right. they were like, oh, no, no, no. No, you can't, you can't give them credit and not give our guy credit. Right. Which, fair, valid. Yep. Of course, Wonder Woman's creator deserves all the credit. That guy's awesome. Okay, so Jerry Robinson, who also worked with Finger and Kane on the strip at this time, what has um has criticized kane for failing to share the credit he recalled finger resenting his position in a 2005 interview i mean you know creative types all all around that there's always gonna be arguments and debates and all right because there has been for pretty much every character we've talked about exactly so it's just another piece of history that's you know nothing new (laughs) exactly doesn't surprise me who knows who's correct? We're not here to do deep dives into that. <laughs> right. So Bob would make, uh, made him more insecure because while he slaved working on Batman, he wasn't sharing in any of the glory or money that Bob began to make, which is why he was going to leave Kane's employ. Kane would th- uh, should have credited Bill as co-creator because I know I was there. Uh, the one, that was the one thing I would never forgive Bob for was not to take care of Bill or recognize his vital role in the creation of Batman. 
Which is fair because like yeah. if you're gonna be a co creator with someone, you gotta give them the credit. Fair. You can't just take it all. Especially in something like these kind of characters that became so big. I was gonna say it almost remind it reminds me very heavily of the b- debate and arguments with uh, Black Panther with Stanley yep. and Jack Kirby. It's like, oh man, like uh, yeah. It's like I can't get mad at him for having that argument. Yeah, it's like okay, yeah, no, uh, Kane, kind of being a Richard about <laughs> this whole thing. So although Kane initially rebuted Finger's claims at having created the character. Written in a 1965 open letter to fans that it seems to me that Bill Finger has given out the impression that he and not myself created the Batman, as well as Robin and all the other leading villains and characters. This statement is fraudulent and entirely untrue. Wow, that's a pretty bold statement considering the arguments going on here. And right. even one guy being like, Kane, I was there. Right. Like, this is definitely not uh, go- this is not a good way to have done this. Yeah, like, dang, Kane, you're you're messing up. So Kane himself would also comment on Finger's lack of credit. The trouble with being a ghost writer or artist is you must remain rather anonymous without credit. However, if one wants credit, then one has to cease being a ghost or follower and become a leader or in- innovator. Okay. Which that is fair too. As fair, uh, the problem with uh. Because I, I, I know a little bit about ghostwriters and stuff. That's always a sketchy field to be in because you can completely get snubbed. And depending on the contracts you sign, there's not much you can really do about it. Oh, yeah. Also, at the same time, most of the time, ghostwriters are used for autobiographies. So this is actually, I feel, a rarer case where we're seeing them like right in this instance. So uh, interesting. Definitely. So in uh, 1989, Kane revisited Finger's situation, recalling in an interview, in those days, it was like one artist and he had his name over the comic strip. The policy of DC in the comic books was, if you can't write it, obtain the other writers, but their names would never appear on the comic book in the finished version. So Bill never asked me for the byline and I never volunteered. I guess my ego at the time, and I felt badly, really, when Finger died. Did you, though? I mean, I mean, he did come out with this statement, so yeah, I guess well, yes. I mean, and obviously moments like that, you're going to feel bad with all these fighting arguments, and then the guy passes, and chances are they probably never kind of fixed it. Yeah, true. And honestly, I kind of... I'm glad he at least feels bad for it and at least came out and he's just like, he's like, okay, I may have been a Richard about it, but here's how things ran back then. I probably should have just at least given him more acknowledgement yep. that he did this. Cause honestly, I, I'm almost like reading that. I almost feel like there's probably a lot of writers. We just don't straight up. Don't know about that. Had like oh, I'm hands sure there are. That's sad. So, into the early years of his comics, uh, the first Batman story, The Case of the Chemical Syndicate, was published in Detective Comics issue number 27 in May of 1939. Finger said Batman was originally written in a style of the pulps, and this influence was evident with Batman showing little remorse over killing or maiming criminals. Because, yes, that is how he was originally. He did not care about killing. Oh, God, no. And there are some there are some comic strips where it just gets brutal. Okay, Batman proved a hit character, and he received his own solo title in 1940 while continuing to star in Detective Comics. By that time, Detective Comics was the top-selling and most influential publisher in the industry. Batman and the company's other major hero, Superman, were the cornerstones of the company's success. Which, yeah. No, they, yeah, amazing characters. It also makes sense when Superman is kind of part of the reason Batman was even created. Exactly. So, yeah, kind of tracks. Yep. So the two characters were featured side by side at Stars World's, at the Stars of World's Finest Comics, which originally titled World's Best Comics when it debuted in fall of 1940. Creators including Jerry Robinson, Dick Sprang, also worked on the strips during this period. 
Okay, that's that's so pretty neat. They started pretty early coming up side by side in the comics, I guess. Yeah, damn. A whole lot earlier than I was expecting. Well, it kind of almost makes the story sadder. Right. With their end. Okay, Kane noted that within six issues, he drew the character's jawline more pronounced and lengthened the ears on the costume. About a year later, he was almost a full fig, uh, full figure, my mature Batman Kane said. That was a weird way to put it, Kane. That really was. Like, <laughs> did, did, were you looking to make everybody in that room uncomfortable? Because that would have done it. Yep. Um, but also cool because that is Batman's signature, like the cleft jaw. Right. Like, that was the biggest thing of any Batman that has always stuck around. Like the ears change constantly, but it's all there's always that jawline. Yep, and it's it's honestly why I still argue that Ben Affleck I thought was my favorite Batman because it just looking I'm I'm like oh, the cartoon and comic character. And he had the he had the grin. Yep, he had so much going for him. Ah, oh, so much. It's just it's terrible that they gave it to Snyder. <laughs> okay. Oh. Batman's characteristic utility belt would be introduced in comic uh, Detective Comics issue number 29 in July of 1939, followed by a boomerang-like batarang, and the first bat-themed vehicle, the Batplane, in issue number 31, September of 1939. Oi, so you're telling me the Batplane came before the Batmobile? Apparently. Huh. That's cool. Which is weird. Also weird. But I, because you think that someone in a city would have a car before you'd have a plane. But maybe like, maybe that was the whole thing was there's like he's a bat, he's gonna be flying in that. And then later on, somebody brought up what you just did. They're like, guys, he's in a city. I just don't see a plane being the like, most viable option. Like I could see him using like a batcopter more before he'd use the bat plane. Yeah, because it makes so much more sense. But you know. We weren't around in the 1930s. True, true. So uh, who's to say? They had uh, they had certain things that were in their soda pops back then that, you know. <laughs> it is legal now. <laughs> so the character's origin was revealed in issue number 33, November 1939. Unfolding in a two-page story that established the brim persona of Batman a character driven by the death of his parents written by finger. It depicts a young Bruce Wayne witnessing his parents murder at the hands of a mugger days later at their grave. The child vows that by the spirit of my parents, I will avenge their deaths by spending the rest of my life warring on all criminals. Don't know why he had an Irish accent there at the end, but uh, you know what? I didn't write him. <laughs> But it is nice, though, that as as bad as that story is, that it has literally never changed in all the different versions of Batman. Yeah. No, no, like, like I looked through it real quick because we're doing Golden Age here, folks. If you want to know about the other ones, we may do those later. But it blew my mind that, like, that particular thing has been just true since day one, basically. As we learn later on with some surprising facts that we found out, that's the only thing that seems to stick around through every version. Yeah. <laughs> Buckle up, folks. So the early pulp-inflicted portrayal of Batman started to soften in Detective Comics issue number 38 in April of 1940 with the, with the introduction of Robin, Batman's junior counterpart. You know, he, he kind of came around a lot quicker than I would have expected. He really did. I, uh... I didn't realize he came around that quick. Like, dang. I thought he would have came uh I thought he would have been introduced much later. At least a couple years later. Yeah. But not the same year like just a year later than when you started the main character. Right? Like, man, that was a that was a bold move, but it apparently worked out because Robin was introduced based on a on Finger's suggestion because Batman needed a Watson with whom Batman could talk. Sales nearly doubled despite Kane's pre preference for a solo Batman, and it sparked a prolif proliferation of kids' sidekicks. So, yeah, Robin is the goat as far as like side like kid sidekicks go. He yeah, he is kind of well. He is apparently the first. Yeah. 
We have another first, everybody. All right, that's cool. That's cool to find out. But I do kind of like with uh, Kane's preference of a solo Batman kind of plays into his never wanting to be on a team. Yeah, true. <laughs> Even though he has the worst habit of being on a team consistently. <laughs> I do, I do love, I do love how Batman does that though. It's like, it's like we gotta do this. Like, no, no, you guys gotta do this. I'm only part time. Remember that, right? <laughs> Okay, so, uh, well, uh, that's basically what we have for Real World. Let's get into in-universe, folks. Finally. I know. Five pages later. (laughs) Okay, let's do this. In-universe. In Batman's first appearance in Detective Comics issue number 27, he is already operating as a crime fighter. So, uh, you know, kind of just dropping us in mid-already crime fighting. Mid-kapow. I kind of like because it gives you room to build the character as the hero first. And then when you need to, you can go back to his backstory. I will admit as far as writing goes and that, like I'm sure some writers would debate it, whether or not that's lazy or whether or not that's actually brilliant. I always think it's brilliant because it lets you plant things in that future. And then it goes back. You can go back later and be like, Oh, this is why they do that. Exactly. And I definitely like that way of doing it. So much better than starting with the backstory. It kind of it key it allows you to not paint yourself into a corner. Exactly. Uh, so say what you will. I think it's effective. So Bruce Wayne would be born to Dr. Thomas Wayne and his wife Martha, two very wealthy and charitable Gotham City socialites. Okay, which um you know that's kind of, that's been true throughout the stories as well. So yep. it's nice that we're. Uh, it's like that, that his original has kept up. So Bruce is brought up in Wayne Manor and leads a happy and privileged existence until the age of eight, when his parents are killed by a small-time criminal named Joe Chill. <laughs> Apparently, guy wasn't so chill. He had well, no chill. <laughs> well, on their way home from a movie theater, as we said earlier, Mask of Zorro. Also, Joe Chill, uh, yeah. Yeah, man, it's uh, later on in the 52s, what Batman does to him is just like really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. 52s are not my favorite, but I kind of do like how dark they went at some, certain points. That was, I think, the best part about the new 52. Right? <laughs> just because they were just like, you know what? I don't think these stories are going to last. Why don't you just, why don't you shell shock some kids? Right. <laughs> okay. So that night, Bruce would swear, on, swear an oath to spend his life fighting crime, which we had briefly talked about a second ago. Yep. But yeah, that that would be, that's a really young age to swear that kind of an oath. Right. Like, I get that your parents were just murdered brutally in front of you, but. It's always one of those, like, you got to look at Bruce Wayne and you just immediately, you're like, man, man built different because I. Like just thinking about like the like I've I lost my dad when I was young. I didn't vow to become a doctor or police officer. I just I was just like I was like this is sad. This is really sad. And now I'm here. <laughs> I've done I did nothing with that motivation. Nope. So Bruce Wayne built different. Very. Okay. So he engaged in intense intellectual and physical training. However, he realized that these skills alone would not be enough. Batman is just a, an all-around rounded dude in that. Like, like you want to talk about Jack of all traits? This dude, the king of all traits. Oh, God, yeah. He, he definitely took that phrase and beefed it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he would con- continue to say and make remarks that criminals are super superstitious, cowardly lot. So my disguise must be able to strike terror into their hearts. I must be a creature of the night, black, terrible. As if responding to his desires, a bat suddenly flies through the window, inspiring Bruce to craft the Batman persona. Yes, yeah, so fun little fact specifically for around this generation, the people that, uh, you know, really w- were in love with the Dark Knight trilogy. Great movies, not saying anything against them. Calm down. Uh, I'm just saying Bruce Wayne was never terrified by bats originally. And that, that was just something they had, which was a compelling story plot. And it was for those movies. It was. But this is just interesting to know that, like, oh, no, no, he just hadn't, he didn't have an issue. 
but solid pick for an animal to scare oh yeah scare civilians okay so in early strips batman's career as a vigilante earns him the the ire of the police he initially operates alone using only street contacts and circumstantial allies in his investigation Batman also comes into conflict with various criminals, including mad scientist Dr. Death. Wow. They really they really went balls to the wall with naming on that one. Right. A vampire called the monk. Oh, oh okay, that's interesting. <laughs> and criminal mastermind Professor Hugo Stray. Oh my god, dang, he's he made it that this far. Hugo Doctor Strange is uh, basically a like the head psychologist at like. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, you know who he is. Yeah. I'm just shocked that he's like, he was that old of a character. I mean, I'm really not as big of a character as he is in the comics. True. It's just one of those like all these other ones. I'm like, I only know one of these that's made it this far. I know. I know everybody but the monk. I've heard of Doctor Death. And yeah, Hugo Strange is such a big part of his story and being the criminal mastermind and plotting other criminals in his way. Yeah. That yeah, no, I'm not, I'm really not surprised that he is that early. I'm I'm a little surprised, but honestly, I'm I'm re- I really like that. That's right. kind of cool. So during this period, Bruce Wayne has a fiance named Julie Madison, though this is called off after several encounters with a serial killer, Clayface. Oh yeah. Clayface was definitely not the Clayface we know today back then. Oh, yeah. No, definitely not. A little, but, little darker. Yeah, a <laughs> little darker, a little creepier. Uh, but uh, still still also interesting to see that he had a fiancé. Yeah. Always... He, he never really makes it that far again until uh, very recently with Catwoman. Yeah. And even that one, just like, you know. Well, they're married now. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot. <laughs> a... Keep forgetting about that. <laughs> After witnessing the murders of circus acrobats called the Flying Graysons, Wayne takes in the couple's son, Dick Grayson. The boy quickly joins him in his crusade as his psychic Robin to help capture the criminal responsible for his parents' murder. Which is another thing that has been generally kept around and maintained from what I understand. And that, like I said, honestly, uh, Joker, you're, you're actually probably more of an expert on that than I am. I mean, for the most part, from what I've seen, is it does stay similar. I mean, there have his, unlike Bat- Bruce's, has changed, you know, little tiny details here and there. But for the most part, like Batman, it's stuck pretty well similar. Okay, I thought so. I just wanted to more confirm with you. So shortly afterwards, Batman would come into contact with costumed criminals like the Joker and Catwoman, who would begin to take over the criminal underworld in Gotham. I am a little surprised, though, that as being his biggest nemesis, the Joker wasn't one of the first ones he really fought with. Yeah. That one's a little little more surprising. Also, you guys just like... I love the Joker in the sense that, like, at this point, as we've talked about in other videos, like, this is around the same era as the Polka Dot Man. I feel like they were just grabbing ideas, lobbing them at the wall, and just hoping something stuck. Well, especially when you got to think about how the Joker started. Like, it was the Red Hood and oh, falling yeah. into the bat. Like, they really, that's exactly what they were doing. Yep. They're just like, um, a clown who kills people and it's like oh the fans like that one keep that one (laughs) right batman also became a founding member of the justice society of america although he like superman is an honorary member and thus only participates occasionally which i do have a fun fact about that in a minute okay so batman's relationship with the law would thaw quickly and he's made an honorary member of the gotham city police department which is kind of cool to know that he actually does get to that point. And it's not just some random thing that they do for a cartoon or a game. Yeah. But it's actually in the comics. That is nice to know. Just because, like, I don't know. I, I do, like, at a certain point, you ever step back from a comic? Not a great thing to do. I don't recommend it. And you just look at it and you're like, 
Okay, so this is a detective of a police department talking to a man dressed as a bat on the roof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just that moment. And now we're just like, and now we're giving him an honorary badge. It's just one of those, like, sometimes getting that perspective and that really can mess with you. I feel like the only reason they did that is they realized at a certain point he's not really as bad as they thought he was. And he wants a similar idea. The similar concepts they do, and it's easier just to work together. Also, like considering how many times Gotham probably should have been smoking crater. Oh yeah, and that like it's one of those like okay, we can either keep hindering the only man that's kept like a, a Joker gas nuke from going <laughs> off, or we can work with him, and maybe less people will die. Yeah, I feel like that's exactly why they made him not remember. I can see that. Okay, so during this time, Alfred. Oh, here's our fun one. So during this time, Alfred Penny's Pennyworth arrives at Wayne Manor, and after deducing the dynamic duo's secret identity, joins their service as their butler. That's right, folks. In the beginning, Pennyworth had nothing to do with Batman, which blows my mind when you think of every other version of him. Yeah, he was there before, like when Batman's parents died. Yeah, he was there. He helped raise Ma- Master Wayne. It's so weird to think that it, in the actual history, like, no, he wasn't. You got to wonder at what point they made that change. Just because, like, because honestly, the way he is now, I can't, I honestly can't can't think of, I, it, it It glitches my brain out to think about this. It, it hurt me so much last night, too, when, you, when I opened up this to first look at the, the script and, like, uh, there's no way that's true. That's a full-on lie. Yeah. There's no way. And I looked up, I was like, huh, that's not a lie. Okay. Yeah, really weird, right? It was. Like, b- literally, Robin came before Alfred. That that just blows my mind. What kind of world are we living in? Everything's a lie. The maid- I see the code. <laughs> so, speaking of lies, the or I guess things that blow your mind, because I knew it kind of blew my mind thinking of Batman as a just a honorary member of the just uh, JSA. Um, so a fun fact I looked, I found out about that. So the concept uh, was in the All Star Comics, which would be a comic used to promote the company's second tier characters, which was any uh, and then any character who started their own series was deemed ineligible. You know, for example, because they're in danger of overexposure. Fair. Um, so they were ineligible for inclusion. For this reason, Batman and Superman would be were considered only honorary members and only appear in issues number seven and twenty-four. And likewise, similar to them, when Flash and Green Lantern were given their own comics, they would quote unquote leave the JSA and become reserve members. Which was kinda it blew my mind. It's like, how do you be a founding member and only be an honorary member? Yeah, that's a little weird, but when you break it down, kind of makes sense. Also, it's yeah. just like one of those like, okay, guys, we set up this little little superhero club. Uh, and we're going to we, leave. Yep. Uh, you guys uh, keep the bad guys at bay. We will step in if we need to. Almost like the original teen, almost like a, a prelude to Teen Titans. Yeah, kind of. Actually, if you think, yeah. <laughs> okay, and so. Then, obviously, similar to the JSA, he would be a, a founding member and part of the whole trinity of the justice league yep which he was a full-fledged member at least for a time yeah it was probably more non. it was probably not until more recent that uh he you know one of these days we should do a full-blown justice league episode i'd be down and that, that'd just be like interesting. the creation of that yeah like, i'd be down and just do a quick cap of everybody that's been in and out that'd be fun let us know in the comments if uh anybody would like to hear that Okay, so now let's move on to powers and abilities. This is a long one. Have fun. <laughs> okay, so powers and abilities. No actual powers. Or as Green Lantern uh, would, would ask, you're not just some guy in a bat costume, are you? And he just turns around and smirks. Right. <laughs> Okay, so one uh, one of his uh, uh his actually most prevalent power and ability he's rich. Uh, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Guy got money. Okay, scientist. He's also an expert in scientific knowledge. Uh, he has detective skills. Uh, he has a physical prowess of literally an Olympic athlete. That's how much he trains. 
and a master of disguise and multilingual, which, God, that's impressive. Like, oh, God, yeah. The amount of languages the character has used, I'm like, dang. Right. Giving the dude from River Monsters a run for his money. Okay, so he has fully utilized his photographic memory to master a total of 127 different forms of martial arts, including, but not limited to, Aikido, boxing, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, fencing, judo, karate, Krav Maga, Muay Thai, ninjutsu, wrestling, and numerous different styles of Wushu, also known as Kung Fu. Uh, honestly, yeah, that is a very small very, section of that list. And here's the messed up thing. He is considered a master of all of those. Yeah. Like he is like the top of all of them, which only blows my mind to know for a fact there are, there is at least one other character in the DC universe that brute, that is superior martial arts to him that Bruce Wayne will literally send other people to train with. Because he's yep, like, no, I remember seeing she, that in the, one of the cartoons. Yep, he's like, she is better than me, and it's like, aren't you a master of everything? He's like, I mean, yeah, that's who, me. who do you think taught me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that kind of blows my mind. But it's also crazy to think that he's a master of all these different forms, which, in theory, in his age, should be impossible. Yeah, that's to master a form can take years, like just one form. And that one style, like, I technically am not even a master of wrestling. And I did that for years. I went to state. I fought the best the nation had to offer. I ain't a master. A little emasculated, I think, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) So, Batman is strongly disciplined, and he has the ability to function under great physical pain and resist most forms of telepathy and mind control. Yeah, he actually knows a lot of mental tricks to keep mind, like people trying to get into his mind. Which is impressive. Ah, it's what threw uh, Martian Manhunter off a few times when they've met in certain shows and comics. Okay, so expert in espionage, often gathering information under the identity of notorious gangster named Matches Malone. <sighs> that's, that's a funny name. <laughs> Okay, so he's skilled in stealth, movement, and escapology, which allows him to appear and disappear at will and break free of nearly in inescapable death traps with little to no harm. I love how they throw in the little to no harm factor. I mean, because there have been times, like especially in the cartoons, where he doesn't quite leave unscathed, <laughs> right? Just pretty, walk- pretty close, but... Just walking out like, I need to find a door because my shoulder's just flopping around over <laughs> right. here. Because uh, honestly, that's how he gets out of a lot of them is just dislocating something. Yep. Okay. So now, I'm not going to go into full, but I'm just going to say a few things. His weapons and equipment. We Like the martial art thing, there's just too many account. I think we can kind of already assume the Batmobile and just Bat vehicles. That's bat a vehicles, batarang, batarang, uh, the bat grappling hook, the battery. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> but like some fun ones uh, that he's had is, um, uh, well, his customized his customized body armor, which ultimately comes. He has as many bat suits as Iron Man has Iron Man suits. Where do you think they came up with that idea? I don't doubt it. <laughs> and that, ba- that, yeah, easily. Okay. okay his utility belt obviously uh uh, we also oh wow it's not as many as they listed okay so let's go over some fun ones real quick though and that there is uh the shark repellent spray also a lot of plastic explosives which just one of those like for back then actually probably makes for the early years it makes total sense yeah nowadays not so much which i love in the games whenever he has to blow something up he still makes it in a bat symbol like people are dying are we really taking the time to get your art to put your signature on this or you know a bad guy with a gun's coming around the corner to shoot you yeah spending the extra 10 seconds to do this right like god dang it also, night vision goggles. He's also come up with uh, plenty of different um, d- 
different types of um like there was one one time he came up with basically a way so he could see using sonar and that way he lost his vision yep he's uh created different different suits based upon the elements he needs to deal with different uh technology also a from the 19 from the 1900s movie a batarang that has a literal tracking thing on it so it tells you can tell it how many men to hit yep yep also just like so many explosives also he also also just a weird thing he always keeps a marble on him that was interesting yeah he actually uh when the justice league first set up the table and then they're like it's perfectly level he put the Marvel in the middle, watched it move. He's like, no, it's not. <laughs> I wonder if that's the whole reason he cares is just for stupid reasons like that. Just I to a- prove it wrong. I actually did find out, I guess, like that was a thing for non-powered heroes and detective heroes to use is a Marvel to imitate footsteps. Yeah, for like going downstairs and stuff. I mean, which is, I get the idea, but at the same time, it's only a Marvel that's not going to imitate steps very well. I mean, I feel like everybody kind of had those wooden shoes back in the day. To an extent. I don't know. I'm not a detective from the 1940s. I just feel like it's it'd be too light of a sound. I think it depends it's, on the size of the marble. That would be a big marble to be close to a footstep. Because uh, there was a show I was watching. The marbles that she used was about, like, bigger than an eyeball. I don't, I forgot that we aren't on camera right now. I was just showing Chris like it's this big, as the audience is just gonna be like, "What's he? What's Dick Rail talking about?" Okay, so that's kind of uh, it for his gadgets. He honestly, the gadgets alter extremely based upon the scenario because Batman with prep time is ultimately as dangerous as the kid from Home Alone. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see the two of them duke it out, right? <laughs> Okay. Good luck, Joker. Yeah, so into the the next fun section, our other media. I knew, honestly, when we decided we are doing Batman, this is the one section I did not want to do. (laughs) It's the one character I did not want to do the section on. Because it was a a two-page on its own. Mm, Dang. So, just in general, other media. The first adaptation of Batman would be a daily newspaper comic strip, which premiered in October 25th of 1943. The same year, the character was adapted into a 15-part serial Batman, with Lewis Wilson being the first actor to portray Batman on screen, with a second movie serial, Batman and Robin, following in 1949, with Robert Lowry taking the role of Batman. So, um, that's kind of just interesting to know that... uh that um, freaking, um, oh, man, I am so sorry, sir. Adam uh, West. Adam West wasn't the first. Nope. He was not the first by almost 20 years. Dang. Um, so while Batman would never have a radio series of his own, the character made occasion- occasional guest appearances in The Adventures of Superman starring, uh, starting in 1945 on occasions when Superman voice actor Bud Collier uh, needed time off. Which is a good good way to do that. It's like, hey, you need time off? Well, let me have my character in for a day. Yeah, actually, that's pretty brilliant. So, he has one stage performance, <laughs> Batman Live, which debuted in July of 19, or 19th of 2011. I love it. Right? I love that that exists. So, into TV. <laughs> so, as we... Briefly mentioned, uh, the Batman television series starring Adam West would first premiere in January of 1966 on ABC and will run for 120 episodes and ending in 1968. It ran a little longer than I thought it did, to be honest. Huh. I knew it wasn't a hugely long one, but I thought it was a little shorter than two years. Honestly, I kind of thought so, too, because like the, as good as... The show had a lot of complications besides the re- reception of fans. Oh, yeah. And I let a lot of behind the scenes, and a lot of the comic book fans were not thrilled about it. Which I don't blame them. I've seen, for the time, Adam's West Batman was not bad. But also, as com- knowing comic fans today, yeah. I can only imagine how much worse they were then. All right. And- Adam West's Batman was very different than the comics. Oh, yeah, he was. 
Um, but it's interesting is between seasons one and two, the cast would actually make the theatrical film Bat- film uh, Batman in 1966, which was the first appearance of the Joker character in that live action. Nice. So the popularity of the Batman t- TV series would also result in the first animated adaptation of Batman in the Batman Superman Hour. The Batman segments would be repackaged as the Adventures of Batman and Batman with Robin the Boy Wonder, which ran for 33 episodes between 68 and 1977. Yeah, given time, that's actually not a bad run. It really isn't, and especially for the fact that it didn't start out as just a U show. Yeah, like it was a shared show, and back then for it to last that long, not bad. That's impressive. So from 73 until 86, Batman had uh, a starring role in ABC's Super Friends series, which was animated by Hanna-Barbera, which I remember those cartoons. Oh, my God. I that is like the, the superhero cartoons we grew up with. Dude, I remember watching those. Right. Ah, man. You know what? They weren't the best, but they were good. They were good. I do miss them. They were good for their time. (laughs) Anybody that lives in uh, Colorado, Washington, or California, give them a watch, and you know with what. So in 1992, Batman the Animated Series would premiere featuring Kevin Conroy. You know, at this point, the voice of Batman. (sighs) Honestly, nobody's done it like him. (laughs) They really haven't. (laughs) There have definitely been some close ones, but... Kind of like the Joker, Mark Hamill. Nobody quite will ever topple Kevin. Nope. The day, the day that somebody do, does, and that's the day that I'm, I'm just like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> Kevin, you can go now. <laughs> right. It's okay. So the series' success would lead to the theatrical film Batman: The Mask of the Phantasm in 1993, as well as various TV series, including Superman: The Animated Series. The new Batman Adventures, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited, each of which featured Conroy's Batman's voice, and then Batman Beyond, which featured Conroy as an aged Bruce Wayne as a man as a mentor. Still killed the role. Oh like, God, yeah. Dang it, man. Do you have Do you have no wrong in you? No, it's <laughs> not as well, not when it comes to Batman. True that. So in 2004, the Batman made its debut in 2008. Uh, the show was replaced by another animated series, The Batman, The Brave, and The Bold. He's had a lot of cartoons. Oh, my God, so many. <laughs> and then in 2013, a new CGI animated uh, bat, uh, series titled Beware the Batman de- would debut. In 2014, the tw- live-action TV series Gotham would premiere featuring David Mozaz as Mazes. a 12-year-old Bat Bruce Wayne, which actually isn't a horrible show. You, it's definitely I've I've seen some things on it that make me want to watch it. It's just as we talk about comic book fans, I'm a comic book fan. There are certain things they do where I'm like, no. It definitely bugs me a little bit too. But it's definitely one you go into Gotham knowing it's not a Batman show per se. Yes. It's more of a, a Gordon and just Gotham TV show. Yeah, we we can talk my issues about that <laughs> in another episode. So, Ian Glenn would portray Bruce Wayne in the second season of Titans in 2019. And then in May of uh, 2021, it was announced that a new animated series titled Batman Cape Crusaders was in development by Bruce Timm, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves. The series is said to be a reimagining of the Cape Crusader that returns to the character's noir roots. Hearing that, I'm very excited. I'm actually really excited. I'm kind of hoping we see a Batman that kills again. You know what? I'd be I'd be down bringing old kicking it old school. God, that was just TV. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So going into the films, it's kind of broken up into little sections. So his early films, we have Batman in July of forty three, Batman and Robin in July of or June of forty nine, Batman the movie July of sixty six. And then between 1989 and 1997 film series, you have Batman, June of 89, Batman Returns, June of 92, Batman Forever, June of 95, and Batman Robin, June 97. Those are kind of uh, some, except for the first two movies. The second ones were, uh, last two were kind of meh. I have nipples. Can you milk me? (laughs) (laughs) Look at these nipples. Why do you have nipples on your suit? It's distracting, isn't it? Very. It's like, yeah, wait until the bad guys see. 
So he would have two animated films, Batman, Mask of Phantasm, and then the Lego Batman movie. I still haven't seen the Lego one. I hear I've it's heard good. Yeah, same. I need to watch that. The Phantom, though, I highly recommend it to Oh, God, yeah. That was great. Uh, he would have the Dark Knight trilogy. There's no point in yeah. writing out those. <laughs> nope. Um, and then he's had a few in the DC Extended Universe. You have the Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. He has the appearance in Suicide Squad. You have both versions of Justice League, both the regular and Zack Snyder's cut. Uh, he is set, which I didn't know about this, but he is set to appear in a Batgirl film on HBO Max in 2022, Ooh. portrayed again by Mike, Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know they were making a Batgirl film. I knew Keaton was coming back because he is set to appear alongside Affleck in The Flash in 23. Oh, my God. portraying various, their versions of Batman. Mm, yes. And, obviously, the one that just came out, he stars in The Batman, released in March 2022. Ah, uh, yep. Yeah, no, that was uh, kind of cool to hear that there was a Batgirl film. Oh, my God, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm, I'm... And I'm also excited to see Keaton come back. Dude, right? Out of, out of the early characters, he was definitely one of my favorites. I'd say he did the best dual rolling of playing Batman yeah. and Bruce Wayne. Because especially the early actors, they either did Batman really well and kind of an iffy Bruce. Or they did or Bruce Wayne very well and, and kind not of... a great Batman. Yeah. But, but yeah, he, he was definitely a good mixture. He he killed it. Which is only funny because he was a comedian actor. Which is ironic. Yeah. Like, that he, he kills it as a brooding character. Right? Like, he nailed. But, I mean, I guess comedians aren't exactly the happiest lot. So Right. He's like, I got this. Don't tell me how to brood. I do it all the time. <laughs> so, similar to the movies, video games is uh, very shortened. He oh. appears in 23 games on a majority of gaming systems throughout all the years. Yep. The first one being... Uh, Batman in 1986. There's two Batman games in 89 and 90, both based on the 89 film. One, I guess, was much looser-based. One was much more closer to the film. Uh, Yeah, Batman Return of the Joker, The Adventures of Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, and Batman Begins. Okay. The Adventures of Batman and Robin was one on the SNES. That I grew up playing. That was a fun game. I never got to play that one. Uh, he appears in seven DC Lego games. I don't know for sure if there's more, so that's why I only said that. Okay. Uh, he appears in seven Arkham games, which, you know, everybody knows the Arkham series. Oh, yeah, we do. And he appears in eight other games, including Mortal Kombat vs. DC Universe, DC Universe Online, and both Injustice games. Yeah. And he also appears in the announcement trailer for Gotham Knights, set to release later in 2022. I'm pretty excited for that one. <laughs> I'm also curious if he's actually going to show up in the game. It's a good question, because, like... It's supposed to be set after he supposedly dies. Yeah. Spoilers, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, all, that's all we know about the from the trailer. True. So, he also has an album kind <laughs> of uh, inspired because of him. So the album Nightfall by Swedish band Silent Images is based on Batman Nightfall's story arc. With Batman serving as a central character, Nightly Priest, the album explores the underlying social-political themes of the Batman universe and his struggle against the Venomous One, the album's interpretation of Bane. Which, now I really gotta go find this album. Oh my god. I know what we're listening to when we get home. (laughs) I'm YouTube. I'm looking this up. I'm fi- we're finding this. Right. Or I'm going on Amazon to see if we can get some vinyl. Okay. Um, well, folks, uh, that's kind of it for uh, Batman. Um, if we, if you want us to cover another era of him in that, it'll be a lot shorter video because we ain't go- won't have as much real world for it. But honestly, uh, I guess I, I'll ask what I always ask. Joker, you a fan? To be completely honest, at a bare minimum, yes, only because of what has come because of Batman. <laughs> but at this point, he's been around so much, and we've had so many different versions and movies. Like, I wish they'd just move on. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I kind of agree, but at the same time, like he he was he was up there like with the Spider-Man of like you know I grew up with that. Yep. Man. 
But yeah, I'm definitely more of a fan of his bat family than I am of him. And see, I've always just, I've been a fan of him and some of his villains. As villains, we, yes. <laughs> and that Bane, Bane's the GOAT. Um, but you know what? I'm a fan too. For anyone that's still listening, if you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode, or even liked the character before from a movie, comic, cartoon, hell, even that t-shirt that you saw one time, you're a fan too. If you want to jump on this train, why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails.